0: Jesus is. Who is Jesus to you? What does he mean to you? People have different answers, different responses. For some people, Jesus is nothing more than a religious figure. But Jesus is way more than that, right? And we talked about Jesus is God. Jesus is Savior. Jesus was human. Jesus was our shepherd. Uh, not was, but is our shepherd, right? And there's various there's various characteristics of who Jesus is. Today, I want to talk to you about About Jesus is passionate. Jesus is passionate. By passionate, I mean one who is dominated by deep emotions and a powerful determination towards an intended purpose. In other words, Jesus was a person who knew what he was here on the earth to do. He knew why he was here, knew what he wanted to do. And he lived his life on purpose. When you study the life of Jesus, he didn't waste any days. He didn't waste any steps. He knew what he was here to do and what his purpose was. Jesus lived a purpose driven life. How many of you know that? If you study the life of Jesus, you can tell he didn't waste any time doing some frivolous thing that was outside of the purpose that God had for him. He stayed on point and lived this purpose. Amen. By purpose driven, I mean Jesus lived to accomplish what he was put on the planet to do. His life was characterized by purpose. You remember we talked about a few weeks ago when Jesus, uh, you know, just a little snapshot of Jesus whenever he was adolescent. He was 12 years of age. His family was uh, on on route. They were caravanning to Jerusalem for the Passover festival and, and he got lost and they were looking for him. When they finally found him, I want you to see what Jesus said in uh, in Luke chapter two and verse forty nine. And he said to them. Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? My father's business. Jesus was driven by the father's business. At 12 years of age, he was already on mission. Wow, isn't that great? His life was totally focused on purpose. A little bit later, when we see him in his ministry, he's beginning his ministry in John chapter 6. Jesus told the crowd he was ministering to in verse 38. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So Jesus knew his purpose. His life was not to do what he wanted to do, to do his own will. He said, the reason I'm on the planet is to do the will of the Father. In verse uh, John 530, he says, I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. So you can see Jesus lived his life completely controlled By the purpose of fulfilling the Father's desire. He was living a purpose-driven, controlled, centered, focused life. In fact, Jesus was passionate about his purpose. He was just... How passionate was he? Well, to to realize how passionate he was, you, you just study the life of Jesus in Matthew 20 and 28. Jesus said, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others. And to give his life a ransom for many. How passionate was he? How committed was he? He was willing to lay down his life to fulfill his mission, his purpose. Jesus demonstrated his passion in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember whenever he was there agonizing over the cross. And the Bible says in Luke twenty-two forty-two, 42, Jesus said, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. In other words, he was willing to face the cross. He was willing to lay down his life. How committed to doing the will of the Father was he? He was totally committed. You can't get more committed than laying your life down for the purpose. God tells us that he sent Jesus here with a mission and a purpose. And Jesus was totally and completely committed to do what the father sent him to do. And you know the thing about it is. Jesus found great fulfillment. In living his purpose. You know we, we look at, at his life. And we say oh man what a terrible life. That you know you, you born. You come into the earth. And you know that your destiny is the cross. That you got to die. Hey just a little secret. Do You know we're all headed to the grave. We're all dying. Unless Jesus returns. We can't get out of here alive Right. But you know, Jesus, listen, remember when he was ministering to the lady at the well? You remember the disciples, they were on this, this mission trip and they were ministering and they got to the Jacob's well. And so the disciples said, ooh, we're hungry. This has been a tough trip. We're going to go into town and get some food. And Jesus stayed back at the well. And you remember this lady came up and Jesus started telling her about how many relationships she had been in and that she was shacked up and not living immorally right now. And and he started telling her all this and, and the disciples went for a while and they come back and they, they're concerned for Jesus. They said, Jesus, you're going to pass out. You, you must be weak by now. I mean, I know we've been with you for a while, and I know there's no food here at the well, and, and you must be hungry by now. And the Bible says in John 4, 31, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing His work. And what did He mean? That I have nourishment that you don't know about. I think, I think Jesus was, was cluing us in to a secret to life. How many of you ever got so excited about doing something that you forget to eat? It ever happened to you? I mean, whenever you get so passionate about something, I mean, I've gone, I listen, whenever you're fishing and you're catching fish, forget about food, right? But when you get so passionate about something, you even forget to eat. Jesus was so passionate about what he was doing. He said, man, I got some resource. I got some nourishment that doesn't come from peanut butter and jelly. It comes from doing the will of the father. Jesus learned a secret. To living the most fulfilled, satisfying life that there is to learn or to live. Jesus, learn that nothing fulfills your life like living on purpose, living to please the Father. Are y'all hearing me today? Are y'all with me today? So here's the point. Nothing brings greater fulfillment and satisfaction in your life than living to accomplish the Father's purpose. Nothing matters more than living for God's purpose for your life. Nothing can compensate for not living God's purpose. There, the Bible says in Proverbs fourteen twelve, There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. There's some wrong paths to take in life that maybe seem like it's going to take you to the stars, but it's the wrong path. Listen, no success, wealth, fame pleasure or power can bring as much satisfaction and fulfillment in life as living for God's purpose, doing what he created us to do. Amen. How many of you would agree with that? Help me out and say amen. So here. So listen, if you want to live a fulfilling, satisfying life. Get beyond just coming to church. Sure. Coming to church won't do it coming to church every once in a while, won't do it. you got to commit your life to living for God's purpose. If you want to live a satisfying, fulfilled life. Amen? Jesus figured out the Father's purpose. He figured it out. Some people are just existing in life and, and, and because they don't know why they exist. They, they're trying to find meaning in life. They're trying to find purpose. And so their life is dragging by. You know, they think, okay, my purpose is to go to school. And they finish school and they say, okay, now what am I going to do? And they get depressed. Or some people say, well, uh, you know, my purpose is to get a job and make money. They get a job and they make money. Sometimes they make a lot of money. And they wake up one day and they say, why is this not satisfying me? Because all of it leads to a dead-end street. It all ends to a dead-end road. It's some some people are just their life is just dragging by because they haven't figured out God's purpose, not Jesus. He knew his purpose. He knew exactly what the father wanted him to do. He knew exactly he had two main driving forces in his life, two overwhelming purposes in his life that just cast a shadow on every day that he lived. And I want to share those with you. Number one. The first dominant purpose in the life of Jesus was Jesus live to make his father look good. That's what he did. John 17, 4, the high priestly prayer. When Jesus prayed to the father, Jesus said, I glorified you on earth. Having accomplished the work which you've given me to do. Jesus said, I've glorified you on the earth. One of the driving forces in the life of Jesus was He was committed to glorify the Father on the earth. Jesus lived to glorify the Father on the earth. Now, what does that mean? Glorify means to bring honor. It means to to cast in a good light. It means to please. It means to make look good. And so, one major driving force in the life of Jesus was he sought to make his Father look good. He sought to cause his heavenly Father to be looked at in a positive light. He he constantly tried to honor his father with everything that he did. That was a driving force in his life. Jesus lived to make the father look good. Hey, did you know that that's our purpose as well? Did you know that what Jesus' purpose was is also our purpose? Listen what Jesus said in Matthew 5:16, in the same way you should be a light for other people. Live so that they will see the good things you do and praise your Father in heaven. You know what that's saying? Our purpose is to make the Father look good. As Christians, we should live in a way that everything we do makes the Father look good. Listen, when we say I'm a Christian and we take on that that embrace, we're identifying with the Father of life, then we ought to do everything in our life to cast good light and to make our Heavenly Father look good. Amen? How many of you believe that? Say amen. Amen. That's right. Yeah. Listen to this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Whether, therefore, you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do all to the glory of God. Paul says everything we should do or everything we do should be for the purpose of glorifying God. Wow. How we speak should make the father look good. Yeah. How we live morally should make the father look good. How we handle our finances should make the Father look good. How we talk, how we treat people, how we, how we get along with other people should make the Father look good. How we work on our jobs should make the Father look good. Everything we do should cast a good light on the Father. Do all for the glory of God, the apostle said. Do all. Now listen, Living to make God look good isn't easy. Whenever you got this fleshly temple you got to live in. Right? Can I get a better amen than that? Now, all right, that's better. Hey, living to make God look good isn't for self-centered, self-absorbed people. You can't make the Father look good whenever you're self-centered and self-absorbed. Living the purpose of God requires a selfless life. Living for the purpose of God requires you to live a crucified life. It requires you to live a sacrificial life. If we're going to cast good light on our father, we have to forget about ourselves and start worrying about other people. Come on, y'all help me preach. Amen. But listen, it's that selfless sacrificial life that'll usher you in the most fulfilling, satisfying life that you could ever live. You, you know, listen, you know who the most miserable people on the planet? The most selfish people on the planet. The more selfish you become, the more miserable you'll be. If you find yourself always as having problems all over life, I, I tell you something. Just find you a place to go forget about yourself and go serve somebody else for a while, and I believe you're gonna get a lot happier in life. Amen. Come on, isn't that true? Because listen, this is how Jesus said it in Mark chapter eight, verse thirty four. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, "If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. If you're trying to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, listen, for my sake. Don't give it up for a girl. Don't give it up for a guy. Don't give it up for a job. If you give it up for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. Amen. Amen? Come on. Let me ask you a question. Who are you trying to please? Are you trying to please yourself? Are you trying to please others? The reality is sometimes we live our life just simply. It's what I want. Or we'll try to please others. Well, I want want to stay in good relationship. I want to stay in good standing with so-and-so. Listen, don't do that. Live your life to please the Heavenly Father. Amen? If you truly want to live the most satisfying life, live for the purpose of God. Live to make God look good. Amen? Now, two main ways we can glorify God. First of all, by making the effort to become more like Christ. More like Jesus. Say, okay, how do I, how do I make God look good? Just work on becoming more like Jesus. Everything about your habits, your attitudes, your behavior that's not like Jesus, work on that and you will give more glory to God. Amen? 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we Christians have no veil over our faces. We can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of God. And as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like Him. The more like Jesus we become, the more good shadow we cast on the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. And the second way we can glorify God is by using our gifts in service to God. You know, God gives people gifts. He gives them talents. And some people use them in Hellywood. Let's use them in heavenwood. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But first Peter 410 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever. Endeavor. Amen? You know, so listen, you know, some people don't know their spiritual gifts. They don't know how God wired them and gifted them. That's why we have this, the spiritual growth track, it's to help people identify their spiritual gift. But it's not just so we can have more helpers here. That's one. We can't afford to pay everybody we need to get the job done. By the way, the ladies' uh, crawfish ball last night, you should have saw. The crawfish, they got toasted Friday night. And the ladies, they got blessed. But there's no way we could accomplish that without helpers. Well, listen, here's the reason why we do it. Listen, we say, how can we help people that are sitting in the pew every Sunday have the best life possible? We know that one of the best things that we could do as believers is to start using our gifts in service to God. And so we say, listen, we're going to help you figure out what that is. And then we're going to try to help you employ your gift so you can glorify your Father and live a rich and satisfying, fulfilled life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Living to please God truly is the ultimate kind of life. But the second dominant purpose in the life of Jesus was this. Jesus lived to help people get connected to his father. It was an overriding principle of his life. He always lived his life for that sake. Listen, Luke 10 or Luke 19, 10 says, for the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Why did the son of man come to seek and to save those who were lost? He came to seek and save those that were lost. Remember in week two, we talked about Jesus as Savior, and we did identify three truths concerning sin. First, we said we all have the same problem, and the problem is sin. Remember that? The Bible says in Romans 3.23, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The second truth we learned was that we also experience the negative consequences of sin. For the wages of sin is death. You can't get around that. You pay the consequences of breaking God's law. We all face that grave consequence, but the most important consequence is that it disconnects us from God. That's the most important. Sin disconnects you in your relationship with God, and it separates you eternally. The Bible says in Isaiah 59, 2, it's your sin that cuts you off from God. Because of your sins, he turns away and will not listen. So sin hurts every one of us now and later. Amen. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Now, the third truth we learned about sin was that we can all be rescued from the penalty of sin because Jesus is our Savior. We can be spared the payment and the penalty, amen? We don't have to be disconnected from God. We don't have to be separated from God for all eternity. Jesus came to rescue us, to save us. So the good news is that Jesus lived his life for on purpose to help us get reconnected to God. Now listen, let me just mention something for a moment. You know, if you're born, you're born in sin because of the Adam's sin in the garden. That's what the Bible. So none of us are born holy. None of us are born righteous. Am I right? Is that right? So, you know, so I'm a good person. Well, you can't be good enough, man. You got tainted. Adam messed you up, man. He put something in your bloodline that totally messes you up. So everybody needs a savior, right? And so God sent his son Jesus for the purpose of saying, man, mankind's in trouble. They need to be connected to me. That's why Jesus came. Now, if Jesus would have got so happy about fishing, we wouldn't have got a chance to get reconnected. Well, thank God he stayed with the mission. Thank God he stayed with a purpose. Amen. And so that we could get connected. The Bible says in John 3, 16, most popular verse, God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Look at the next verse. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Remember, Jesus' overriding passion, determination was to connect people to the Father. Remember, whenever he went from village to village preaching, his greatest concern was the condition of the people. Listen what it says in Matthew 19.35. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of the area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers In the field. Can you see here that Jesus was driven by a tremendous compassion for the sheep who had no shepherd? His first concern was, were they rightly connected to the Father? But then his second concern was, are they prepared for eternity? And as he looked over the people, he saw something that most people didn't see. He saw eternity. He looked through the eyes of eternity. Jesus was totally mission-driven. You remember later on, Matthew 9 and verse 10, he was hanging out with his disciples and some people that were disconnected. In verse 10, later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of the scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Can you see when you read scriptures like that, what Jesus, what his mission was? What his purpose was. He was living to reach out to those that were disconnected. He was reaching out to those who hadn't yet experienced the shepherd's love and care that we talked about last week. Hey, can I share a secret with you? Did you know that that's our purpose too? Did you know that the same purpose that Jesus had is the same purpose that you and I have? The Bible says in Mark 1.16... One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them, come, follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Jesus said, come and follow me and I will make you fisher of men. You know, whenever you see a first of anything, it means something. There's there's a principle. These were the first disciples that were chosen. And as soon as Jesus chose the disciples, he said, you've been fishing for Sakhalay, but come on. I'm going to show you how to fish for people that are disconnected from God. Amen. Amen. And so Jesus established his purpose right there. And whenever he calls us into his kingdom, he calls us with a purpose. And his purpose is for us to help people get connected to God. Now listen, don't get overwhelmed by that. You know, listen, when God calls us to do something, he gives us everything we need to get it done. See, it's not our ability that does it. It's his ability. But once we embrace our purpose, God will equip us and give us everything we need to do to accomplish his purpose. Amen? His purpose of helping people get connected to the Father that He's given us, He will equip us to do. Listen to this verse. Second Corinthians 5.18 says this. All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ. And He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, everybody wants a ministry. I want a ministry. What's going to be my ministry? I want a ministry. Well, listen. Everybody has a ministry of reconciliation. Everybody has that ministry. Say, no, I'm a singer. Well, Sing. And take up the ministry of reconciliation. Amen. Well, I'm a counselor. We're a council. And take up the ministry of reconciliation. Because he's given us all the ministry of reconciliation. Amen. Now, what is that reconciliation? It's to change the condition of one party by the influence of another party. And so he gives us the ability to change the spiritual condition of other people by the influence in our own life. I think like he says, he calls it like light. He calls it like salt. You are the light of the world. And you are the salt of the earth. How many of you know that God wants to use us. To be the bridge between people disconnected to God. And, and help them get connected to God. We're not the bridge. Okay. We're not the one that what God will use us as a bridge. Amen. He'll help us. He'll help us and use us to introduce others to Christ. Listen. Whenever we receive that mandate from God. See, now you don't have to be just a plumber. You can be a reconciling plumber. You don't have to be just a mechanic. You can be a reconciling mechanic. Amen? You don't have to be just a student. You can be a student with the ministry of reconciliation. What greater purpose? What greater, higher calling in life than to be used of the creator, the one who holds the oceans in the palm of his hand, the one that started it all and can end it all, the one that's totally in control. And he wants to use us to help reach those that are disconnected. What a greater calling, saints of God. What a higher calling. Amen. Are y'all with me out there? Now listen, here's two keys to reaching the laws. Here's two keys. I believe Jesus gave them in some of the scriptures we've just read. And the first one is this. We need compassion. When he compassion, Matthew 9, 36, he saw the crowds and he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You know what compassion is? It's to have pity. It's to have sympathy for people that are hurting. It's to have a tenderness in your heart towards what other people go through. You don't have to be a theologian. You just got to have a heart for people. You just got to love people. That's all you got to do. And if you will just move out in compassion, I believe God will use this. Us. Amen? Are you all with me out there? I'm sorry. Church, we need compassion. We need to quit being so hard. Just be compassionate. Be tender. You know, somebody said everywhere, Jesus, it says that Jesus was moved with compassion. A miracle took place. You know where miracles take place? Where people moved with compassion. Amen? Come on. We just got to love people. Amen? And God will use us. Now Listen. God has given all of us the ability to be compassionate. It's His love in our heart. When we get rightly connected with God, His love flows through our life. And we will touch people around us. Do y'all believe this? Do y'all agree with this? If you agree with this, say amen. amen. But number two, not only do we need compassion, we need mercy. We need mercy. Do you remember when Jesus was, had that dinner at His house and all these people came and, and the Pharisees says, why are they eating with such scum? Verse 12, when Jesus heard this, He said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then He added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy and not offer sacrifice. You know what's the thing that lost people say about the church more than anything else? That we're judgmental. That we're critical. That we're self-righteous. Stuff like that. Now, I know the enemy works on the other side to to cast that light. But we got to counter that by showing mercy. You know what mercy is? It's the ability to look past people's faults and shortcomings and love them unconditionally. You know, listen, Listen, John said, even the world knows how to love people that are lovable. But we as believers need to love those that are not lovable. Amen. We got to love people even though we see the glaring problems in their life. We need to have mercy. You know what? God gives us mercy. He don't give us what we deserve. Right? How many of you glad for that? Praise God. He don't give me what I deserve. So he says, would you do me a favor and go do that to other people now? Just go extend mercy and look past their faults. Do you think Jesus didn't know there were heathens in that room whenever he was eating with Matthew and the rest of that gang? They were tax collectors, man. They were IRS thieves. In the modern day translation. You hear what I'm saying? He knew where they were. But listen, his purpose... Caused them to overlook the glaring fault in their life. And he went after their soul. And he said, these people need to get connected to the Father. Amen. And how many of you know he was successful in his mission? Now listen, let me give you three different people to look for to extend compassion and mercy towards. Number one, look for the hurting. There are people hurting all around you. You know, if we will just look beyond the natural. Every day somebody finds out a bad report. Every day somebody experiences something terrible. How many of you know that? And so where you work, there will be people that will hurt. If you're in school, where you go to school, there will be people that hurt. Where you live in your neighborhood, there will be people that are hurting. People become more receptive to the good shepherd whenever they are hurting. So capitalize on the opportunity to reach out to them with compassion and mercy. Whenever they are hurting. Amen. And they will appreciate it. And they'll say, wait a minute. What is that? And they might even connect the dots and say, this is the love of God. Amen. But here, here's another group of people that we need to reach out to. And it's the hungry Listen, you know what? I didn't make a decision I'm going after God. Like, I didn't just like say, I'm going to be a Christian and go be a Christian. I was so far from that thought. Ladies and gentlemen, that wasn't even on the radar. I mean, I was just, I thought I was living the good life. And that Christianity was a bunch of boring living. You know what? But something started drawing my heart. Something started giving me an emptiness inside. And I began to get hungry for something more than this world was offering me. Come on. How many of you can relate to that? Can you relate to that? How many of you had very, very similar experience in your life? Well, listen. Do you know today God is doing the same thing in people that are not yet in his kingdom? God's drawn them by his spirit. Nobody comes unless your spirit draw them. Let's his spirit draw them. So right now... You say, Todd, who are they? I don't know. I don't really know who they are. But I know God's drawing. I'm not sure exactly who they are, but I know God's drawing. Amen. See, that's the challenge is to figure out who He's drawing. But you know what? If we live with the overriding purpose to help people get connected to God, then sooner or later we're going to be at the right place at the right time and be able to help people. Just get a little bit closer than they are right now to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? And then finally, there's the hopeless. You know, listen, there are people committing suicide every week right here in Lafayette. You know, I was talking to a dentist just a couple of weeks ago, and he was telling me a while back, one of his, one of his uh, best friends, you know, had a successful business, was the life of the party and all that, and he, and he just took his life. But you know what? Listen, sometimes people go through things in life that makes them feel hopeless. That there's no hope of things ever getting better. Well, listen, we have the message of hope. Jesus is hope. He is the epitome of hope. He says, man, when everybody else says there's no hope, I'm telling you, there is hope. Amen? So listen, there will be people that we come across that feel hopeless. They feel like they'll never get through what they're going through. And God will place us right in their path to just reach out our hand and tell them, hey, there's a shepherd who loves you. He's the God of hope that will give you hope and your hopelessness. Three different types of people that become very receptive to the Bible to the word of God, to Christianity, to Jesus, people that hurting, people that are hungry and people that are hopeless. And my friends, this world has enough hurt. This world has enough problems in it to cause a lot of people to be in one of those three stages. If we would just commit to doing The Father's purpose with passion, with emotion, with intention, with focus. I believe that God will use us to reach out to those that need the Savior. Amen. Do you agree with that? If you do say amen and stand while you say that. Amen. Let's just take a moment. Let's, Let's just take a moment with the Lord right now. Just just bow your head for a moment and, and just, cat, you know, just slow down, you know. Slow your heart down, slow your mind down, focus your thoughts. And let's make application today. Who are you living for? What's your what's your, what's your focus? What's your goal? What's your passion? Oh, man, I got this really, really big project I'm working on. OK, good, good. Man, I'm, my business is thriving, man. I'm making more money than ever, man. I'm just stoked about it. Okay. Would you like to tap into a life that will go beyond a lot of money? Would you like to go into a life that will go beyond whenever that project is done? Or whenever that relationship is over? Would you like to g- tap into a life that is unlike any other life that you could ever live? And That's simply just surrendering and yielding to the purpose of God to say, God, I want to do your will. I want to live for you. Remember the two main purposes, the two overwhelming passions of Jesus was he wanted to make the father look good. How many of you would be willing to say today that I want to, I want to make the father look good. The way I talked to that waitress, The way that I demand that waiter. The way that I, the way that I treat people at work in my own family. I want to make the father look good. As they know I'm a Christian, I want them to say, that is a good father, they serve because of, because we're casting a good shadow. Come on. Can we can just commit to that today and say, God, help me Lord to be more like Jesus. Help me Lord to live more like Jesus. Amen. And how many of you would just be willing to just say, Lord, I want, I want to be the connector. I want to be the one that helps and, and help people that are away from God to get connected to God. If I could just be a stepping stone and just help them get a little bit closer. I want to do that. God, listen, if you will commit to being used of God, In these ways, I'm telling you, you will experience an abundant life, an amazing life like never before. Yes, you'll still be a student. Yes, you're still a plumber. Yes, you're still a housewife. But overall, you're doing all of that with the overriding purpose of bringing glory and honor to the Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for releasing grace right now. Thank you, Lord, for helping us be the light and the salt, God. Lord, as we go out, Lord, a bunch of missionaries in this room. Lord, as we go out into all over this city, Lord. God, what amazing amount of salt and light that is in this room, God. Lord, as we get out of here, Lord, let us shine bright, Lord. Let us be a good reflection of Jesus. Lord, help us, God, to be more like you. In Jesus' name. Now, listen, before we go, you might be here today and you say, Todd, I'm hurting. I've never met the Savior and I need to meet the Savior. Maybe you're here today and you're hungry. say, I've tried some of the things the world has to offer and it's always left me empty. Or maybe you're here today and you're hopeless and you've never met the shepherd of your soul. You've never met the good shepherd. But today you're ready to surrender, to yield to God's purpose for your life. You're ready to walk in a way of pleasing God instead of yourself or others. Today, I want to give you an opportunity to just respond to the gospel, to the good news. And I want to give you a chance to surrender to Jesus. If that's you today, say, Todd, would you pray for me? Just lift up your hand and just lift it high so I can see it. Because in this room, there you go, right, right back here, the Spirit of God is yielded. Sir, right over here to my right, anybody else, just lift up your hand and I want to pray for you. Because in this room today, you can get reconnected to God. A few hands went up, but I'll just let's all pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I know you're the good shepherd. Lord, I yield to you. I surrender to you. I want to serve you. I want to live for you. Lord Jesus, help me today. Lord, forgive me, I pray. Forgive me of all my sins. I want to live the Christian life. Give me the grace to live that way. In Jesus' name, I pray. Now for the rest of us, God, give us compassion and give us mercy as we go out of this room today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Everybody said amen.